Welcome, family. Good evening. Good evening, Granddaddy. Oh, it was me if I preach not the Gospels. Corinthians 9, 16. Amen, Grandpa. Hi, I'm Kevin Smith, and the Red State USA Tour is almost over. Can you believe it? It just began, and now it's almost done. We've done nine shows so far. New York, Boston, Chicago, Minneapolis, Ann Arbor, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Springfield, Washington, D.C. They've all run red. We only got a few shows left. We may be coming to your neck of the woods. Listen very closely. March 22nd, I'm going to be at the Paramount Theater in Denver with Red State for the movie and the Q&A. March 26th, we're going to be in New Orleans. March 28th, we're going to be at the Paramount Theater in Austin, Texas. March 29th, the Cobb Energy Center in Atlanta, Georgia. April 4th, the McCall Hall in Seattle, Washington. And April 9th, we wrap up the tour at the Wiltern Theater right here in Los Angeles, California. Big old cast and crew screening. Bunch of cats going to be up on stage who are actually in the movie. And me too, who's not in the movie, but I did make it. Come on out. Weird things happen. It's a, it's, it's like going to a Grateful Dead concert as a movie, man. It's such a cool experience. Come on out and join us. Tour is almost done. For tickets, go to coopersdell.com. Gonna get grown up in here. Hi, I'm Kevin Smith, and on May 9th, we're going to launch Sir Smodcast Internet Radio. It's going to be an embedded live radio station right at smodcast.com, and you're going to be able to listen to Smodcast like you would any other radio station. Turn it on, there's going to be something happening. It's no longer downloading. I mean, you could do that, too. We'll always have on-demand shows for downloading, but you jump right on and just listen to us live. Call in, Skype in, be involved in the show. That's right. We're going to do four original hours of morning radio programming. From 8 till 10, it's going to be this morning with Kevin Jen, as me and Jen kind of doing a plus one type of daily show. And then from noon till 2, it's going to be me and Jason Mews doing Jay and Silent Bob Get Jobs. But the only way we could do any of this is with the help of our good friends and partners at Stitcher. Stitcher, you've heard about it before. It's kind of like Pandora for podcasts, if you will. These cats are fantastic. They stream podcasts right there on your phone rather than listening to it or downloading it. You could be in your car driving to work. I don't want to listen to this morning radio. You hit your Stitcher app, man. Boom. You're listening to Smodcast morning radio this morning show or you're just streaming one of the many podcasts from our vast catalog or one that just went up that morning man right on your iphone your android phone your blackberry and pre these guys are fantastic their app is amazing and now they've partnered up with us to bring you sir these cats are going to be hosting the mobile version of the embedded radio station so it's modcast.com you'll be able to hear us on your computer on your laptop on a landline but when you're on your phone or your mobile device of any sort Stitcher is going to be our home, man. So Stitcher's our partner. Show Stitcher how much you love them. Go download their free app, man. It's free. That's the weird thing. They're not charging anything for this app. This app's going to cost you absolutely nothing. And the only thing you have to do for it is download it. But you can do me a favor while you're doing that. At the registration point, enter the promo code SMOD. You'll see a little thing that says, have a promo code? Tap here or something like that. Enter S-M-O-D. And what's going to happen at that point is you're going to be A, entered to win $250 worth of stash, uh, Jay and Silent Bob secret stash merchandise, or smerchandise, as we call it over at Smodcast. $250 bucks to go shop your fool head off. But more importantly, by using that promo code, you're showing them how strong the Smodcast audience is, and that this is a worthwhile endeavor to open up that stream and build it and house it for us. Show them your thank live fresh content it's gonna be the bomb and these cats are responsible go to stitcher.com slash smod and start the process man stitcher is the future and the future of smodcast network is sir smodcast internet radio
Welcome to Smith Interview. I'm Kevin Smith. We started a charity organization, and when I say we, I mean me, View Excuse, Modcast, all the little uh, enterprises kind of under uh, me and what I do. Uh, and it, the charity is called the Wayne Foundation. And uh, it was so named, of course, naturally for my great affection for Wayne Gretzky, uh, the ultimate assister, if you will. Um, but uh, also, uh, you know, uh, Batman, the Batman universe, Batman billionaire. Bruce Wayne also had uh, a Wayne Foundation, which seemed to be a charitable charitable organization in the comics. Um, but we all know that you know Bruce Wayne secretly was Batman, and Batman beat the shit out of bad people. And so uh, it also has that uh, kind of air to it as well. When I said let's do let's call it the Wayne Foundation, uh, but it wouldn't exist if I hadn't uh, ever met uh, Jamie Walton. And Jamie, I met on Twitter. Yes. Essentially, we met online. One of the many wonderful stories that, you know, people go, ah, oh, Twitter is such a waste of time. What bullshit? No, oh, great things have happened to me because of Twitter. Uh, meeting Jamie is one of them. Um, I, I guess we go back. Let's not bury the lead. Let's kind of present and then go from the beginning forward. Jamie, at one point in her life, was a child prostitute, correct? Yes, that is correct. That doesn't happen to everybody. And it's also one of those things that like nobody ever wants to happen to anybody. And rarely do you get to hear a story, the story of how it happens. And rarely do you get to hear it from someone as articulate as Jamie. And I think of everyone I've ever spoken to in my life, the only person who I, I may have to kind of cede the mic to, you know, everyone knows what a chatter I am. Uh, maybe to Jamie. Jamie can talk, bitch. Jamie is so fucking eloquent. Um, and she's very eloquently going to share with us um, a story of, of uh, grim fucking tragedy, uh, horrible things that happen, and and human triumph over that. And somebody who's uh, went through hell and came back. You know, there's that dopey adage they put on those success training signs. It's like, when you're in hell, when you're going through hell, keep going. You know, That's and absolutely correct. Yeah, and, and Jamie kind of uh, really exemplifies that life. Where are you from, kid? I am from Venice, Florida. Uh, where is that? It's about an hour and a half below Tampa. It's on the west coast of Florida. You grew up in Florida. Did you give a shit about Disney World? Is that part of your matrix at all? <laughs> I went to Disney several times as, right. a, as a child. Um, actually, I had uh, field trips that would go to Epcot. Because we're so close. Right. Oh, my God. So you would use Disney and Epcot as a... It was a school function. Holy shit. So it would turn into medicine in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Although Epcot is the one, uh, the rather boring park of uh, Disney. Yeah. Not a whole lot of rides there. No. But we, I mean, it's still better than going to school. Very you know, true. Better than and you can day see the, what's his name? Figment, the little dragon mm-hmm. in the imagination. <laughs> anyway, yes. so you got to go there... When you were a kid, but it wasn't a big deal? You weren't like, ah, because kids outside of Florida love Disney. No, because I think when you grow up in Florida, it's it's a pretty regular thing no matter what income level your family's at. Right. Uh, ticket prices, if your parents were to buy them, are for, for Florida residents are very, very inexpensive, especially uh, outside of the tourist season. Right. Uh, but also, like I said, uh, the schools send field trips constantly mm-hmm. to Epcot. 
Epcot, um, Universal, uh, Universal sometimes, uh, Bush Gardens sometimes. Never Gatorland Zoo. No, never went there. Never went there. I uh, went to the big parks. You can watch alligators eat whole chickens. Yes, that's you something can. you want to bring a child. Well, to. actually, like, though, I don't. I, I don't need to go to a park. Uh, I can go outside and find an alligator very easily. Actually, Where you live, there are alligators. Oh, they're everywhere. You can't if they, alligators all around. Yes. Oh, yes. If there's a brackish water, it's water that's combined with salt water and fresh water. Yeah. Alligators l- love that. Then there's a lot of like little uh, creeks and inlets uh, coming off the Gulf. They love living in there. So how often do you see an alligator? Like when you wake up every day? Like, sooner, <laughs> like the way I see a pigeon, you're going to see an alligator? Or no? uh, something along those lines. I mean, I won't say there's any outside my house, uh, but where I work at, there is a um, – water reserve uh-huh. and there's actually an alligator that lives out in there he's right by my parking lot he likes to go out in the during the day and sun himself on the like asphalt and stuff uh, in the in the grass uh over towards the water but it, it's abuts the parking lot so when i go out for a smoke the you alligator's right there alligator. yeah except I, i'm a florida resident i know that you shouldn't ever approach an alligator you should never try to feed it That's, right. this is a bad thing right, 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 right. <laughs> stay away they're they're uh interesting to admire though you, uh, and to use a ham-fisted segue, my God, you've had a lifetime of dealing with predators. An alligator is going to be no... Oh, no, I'm not scared of that. You know, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, this I know how to handle. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, um, you an only child? Yes, I am. A mom and dad? Uh, of course, well, but... Yeah, uh, I was raised by <laughs> my mom. Or were you immaculately conceived, Jamie? Uh, yeah, of course, you've had a mom and dad, but yes. were they both in the picture? No, they weren't. My mother was in the picture, and she married my uh, stepdad when I was five. When you were five years old, mm-hmm. so between uh, one and five, no dad whatsoever. Had you? No. Did she, what did she tell you about dad? Like you have a dad who's just not around, or she didn't really talk about him very much. Um, I think that it w- it was a sore subject for her. But what um, about you? Because most kids are just like, I've got a mom, I've got a dad. I just didn't really have a dad. Right. I knew that there was a man that sent a check every month. Right, right, right. So dad was dad was money. Yeah, yeah. That was the equation was that I knew that my father was in the Navy. And mm. when you're in the Navy, you or any military branch, you have to pay your child support. There's no way around it. Right. So that's the only thing I really knew about him. I knew that he, he lived um, with his other family. I do have a, a half brother and half sister that mm. are older than me. Right. What had happened was he married their mother uh, when they were about, I think, four and three. He divorced their mother, married my mother, had me immediately after, almost immediately after I was born, like a year later, got divorced from my mom, went back and married their mom again and raised those kids. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I just kind of got left in the cold a little bit. Um, All right. All right. Don't. There are tissues here, which I kept nearby for me. You're going to be a customer. You're going to probably need them. I I don't think I'll need them. This was my life. I'm kind of used to it at this point. I know. I know. But me, I'm just like, no, no. And I know where it's going. Um, okay. Your mom gets uh, married to uh, your stepdad at age five. Yes. Um, and suddenly you got a father figure. So not really. What happened? Um, uh, my stepfather had a um, severe drug addiction. He had crack addiction. Ugh. And um, he pretty much pulled my mom down from where she had gotten herself to. She was a, a mortgage broker. Uh-huh. Uh, she was an underwriter for uh, FHA VA loans, one of only two people in Florida, meaning she's the one that anytime you got a, sta- a government-approved federal loan, yeah. she was the one who approved it. Okay. Um, once she got with him, though, it, it was just a downward spiral. We went from having our own home that she owned to living, and I had my own bedroom and all that. 
to living in this little cruddy apartment. I, I slept on the couch and it was it was or it was rather horrible. Was she doing drugs with him as well? No, not well. I mean, she uh, she did she did use um, prescription pills uh-huh. and uh, alcohol severely, uh-huh. but she never used uh, the severe drugs that he did, like crack cocaine or anything like that. So but, you think it was just kind of like, look, I've got my shit, you've got your shit. I like you. I'll get past your shit in terms of like you being a crackhead. You get past me, maybe over drinking and using pills, and we'll coexist. Like codependent kind of dependency i'll definitely say that it was codependent but she wasn't happy about what he was doing because she she, he didn't really work very much so he would spend her money right to to use and i'm gonna crack is not a cheap drug to use by any means anyone who knows anything about it will tell you that it's a very good way to end up in poverty for those of us that don't know how much do you know the world of crack at all or is it what what is it is expensive but one of those vials you see in like new jack city back in the late 80s what would a vial like Like that? a little rock of crack, probably for a small rock, like 30, 40 bucks. So, and then how long does, does that last you? Like, uh, from what I understand, like 30 seconds to a minute. Okay, that was so the that's real, people the go rush. through a lot of money. Yeah, the rush is when you're actually smoking it. It's not, as soon as it's gone, mm. that's it. You're high. It doesn't last. No. It's not like weed where you're, you're like, constantly hey man, chasing two hours it. later. Oh, shit. Every rock you put in, you want to chase it more and more. And it almost seems the, the, the more you smoke, the more you want it. Right. Uh, like fiending. I've actually seen my stepfather uh, do what uh, people who are in this lifestyle understand is carpet picking. Explain. When uh, oh, this doesn't sound good. This ain't going anywhere. <laughs> anywhere picking. hygienic, is it? <laughs> Carping, carpet picking is um, crack cocaine is in little tends, tends to be in little rocks, little mm-hmm. white, yellow, depending on the quality. Mm-hmm. So what they'll do is once they run out, uh, sitting on the table, they'll start obsessively looking around on the floor to see if they've dropped any, and they'll put anything at rocks, dirt. Just Ugh. thinking, oh, this is white. It might be a little piece. And it could be like carpet fresh. Yeah, it could be. It could be anything. It could be laundry detergent. Who knows? Ugh. You know, it's it's. So it, he would smoke crack in front of you. He smoked crack with me in the house. Right. I mean, but I, never like sit down. Look at this. No, 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 not nothing like that. Right. But I, I will definitely say, by age seven, I was fully aware of what crack was. I was fully aware that my mother didn't like that he did it. Right. And I understood that it was a drug. Right. You know, at that, at such an early age, I comprehended that. So two years of of uh, a lot of crack smoking. Did he do it from the jump? From the moment they were together? he was a, yeah I, I I mean I was very young so I don't know for certain but I from my memory I think he was either getting into it or had just started when they met mm-hmm. but of course that that kind of addiction it it takes hold very very quickly it, like a heroin would right it takes hold very quickly so. And it just dragged him down and her down and you down. So yes. you went from your own having your own room to like sleeping on the couch, living in the dingy apartment. Uh, your mom married to the crackhead. And right then and there, you're like, ugh, this is uh, – and then uh, hopefully things got better and everyone lived happily ever after. No, they got tremendously worse. What happened next, James? Tell them what happened next. Um, uh, now, I, I'm going to go ahead and make the statement that anybody I talk about um, has never been convicted okay. uh, of anything. For that reason, use just a first name, probably. Yeah. Okay. So um, my stepfather, I believe, uh, molested me okay. when I was seven years old. 
and um, I I told my grandfather about it. Your grandfather, meaning his dad or your mom's? No, actually, it was neither. Um, Family friend kind of thing. Yeah, my uh, my grandparents, my grandfather passed away on my mother's side, passed away before I was born, and mm -hmm. my grandmother passed away from cancer um, just a few months after I was born, maybe eight, nine months. Mm -hmm. uh, they had a couple that was their best friends throughout life. They had known my mom since she was born. Her best friend growing up was their daughter. Their daughter uh, never had any children, so they never had any grandkids, and right. they only had the one daughter. Um, so it just kind of worked out. I didn't have any grandparents. They didn't have any grandkids. Ta-da. And we lived right very, very close to each other. So they were always very, very – especially my grandfather, very close with me, very loving people. Actually, I, I attribute him being the main reason why I ended up where I'm at today because he taught me what real love was and what a, a, a real childhood should be. Right. I would spend the weekends with him. And also a male influence that – Yeah, that that didn't expect certain things of me, inappropriate right. things of me. What uh, – OK. So you uh, you tell your grandfather or your grandmother? Which yeah, my one? grandfather. I, um, I actually remember exactly what happened. I was – every morning they read the newspaper and they would have me read it with them. Uh-huh. And they encouraged readings very, very much so. Uh, and we came across an article on the front page uh, about a girl who had been sexually molested. Okay. And I just randomly said to me, that happened to me. You know, because you know the way a seven-year-old talks. Totally. They, they don't talk like an adult. No, what you didn't – well, it didn't go through a filter of like, do I share this? Do I share this? No, just, you no. You heard something. Yeah, I just like, you're oh, like, hey, wow, that, that happened to me. That happened to me recently. Um, so they talked to my mother. And my mother and my stepfather sat down with me and they wholeheartedly tried to convince me this did not happen. Uh, I I was mistaken. So you're, uh, your mom too? Yeah, because she couldn't believe that someone she had brought in, into our home would do something like that. Right. The crackhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your mom's a totally sketchy out. judge of character, but yes. Uh, I will tell you, uh, she is a horrible judge of character. <laughs> <laughs> Take it a little further. Yes. We'll go ahead and make that blanket <laughs> statement. Um, so they sit you down and they're just they're like, like, this no, didn't happen. No, this – not in so much of a convincing kind of way, like, this didn't happen. But oh, it was uh, like, we really – I don't see how this could have happened. Are you sure? Are you sure – like, are you making this up to right. get attention kind of thing? I was adamant. This has had this happened. You know, I'm sorry, but this happened. Um, so I'm not quite sure how much time passed, but it was fairly rec uh, very quickly, fairly quickly. I went to school and I told my teacher. Uh -huh. I was immediately taken away from my mom. Now, some sort of dyphus or um, like in Jersey, it's the Division of Youth and Family Services. It's, uh, yeah, um, Departments of Family, Department of Family Services kind of thing. Uh -huh. um, at the time, it was called uh, HRS. Right. Um, I'm not sure what that stands for, but I, I remember very well what the acronym was because I feared those people more than anything. Why? Because they were going to take you away from your Yeah, because I mean, you know, I, I love my mother. I mean, it, there's uh, – even to this day, I love my mother very deeply. She's my mom. You right. know, she's not a bad person. She just – she uh, she was somebody that – she had a lot of things happen to her similar to me when she was a child and she just uh, never got any help for it. Right. So I think that she turned to drugs and alcohol and men, the wrong kind of attention uh, to kind of cover that up, that hurt. So um, I've always tried to be, especially after going through therapy myself, try to be a little bit more understanding why she made the decisions and look 
at her as a human being right? instead of being judgmental, like, oh, you ruined my life. It's tough from the outside point of view, right? Because uh, like Muse, Jason Muse also had a mom, not uh, not not in the same similar circumstances, but a very uh, – I've, I've heard his podcasts and um, um, I, I relate very deeply to some of the things Jason said. Totally. Well, you sit there, but from an outside point of view, like I would sit there and be like, dude, this woman is fucking horrible. Like this woman is, is – I mean, you can't say she's evil, but she's done horrible things to you, man. Don't why do you look out for her? Why are you why are you carrying her? And it, there's a disconnect. He's just like, look, I understand. Yeah, I get it. She's my mother, mm-hmm. and so apparently you've had the same kind of point of view, which is just like, or still, you're far more magnanimous in this moment in time than most people would be, where they'd be like, my mother, I wrote her off, but you're at least able to be like, look. She had her own path, and unfortunately, it kind of fucked with mine. Yeah, that's basic. I mean, there was a point in time where I I had a lot of animosity towards her, mm-hmm. uh, probably when I was about 18 or so, when I was starting to get into the adult world. Right. God, she's ruined my life. You know, look at where I'm sitting now. If, if I had a different life, things would have – the outcome would have been completely different. But um, – I like I said, I had to accept that she's a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, we all make choices, and my mother didn't have me until she was thirty-one. Um, so she did uh, wait quite a while. I honestly, I have no idea what happened to her between age twenty and age thirty. She I have never no told idea. You? No, to this day, I have no idea. Is your mom still around? Yeah, she, uh, she is still around. Um, you active in her life, or vice versa? Uh, uh, I don't live in the same state as she does, uh-huh. uh, but we talk about twice a month. Uh, I make sure to uh, call her and make sure she's doing okay. And if she ever needs anything, she calls me. Uh, she uh, she doesn't live very, very richly at all. Right. So um, anything that she needs, I, I try to help her out as much as possible. And you were her only child still yes. to this day. Yes. So we never had, she never had any children after me. Thank thank goodness. I wouldn't wish this on anybody else. <laughs> yeah, you're like, look, man, she, she fucked up the first time. <laughs> yeah. Once was enough. Some people get one one up at bat. Hey, so sometimes, sometimes women don't learn that after the first time. <laughs> yeah, they continue yeah. to have more. Very, so very lucky. Uh, I mean, I'm lucky in that sense that they're. I was the only one that got affected. So when the HRS takes you away, um, what happens? What is the next thing? They put me with um, my aunt. My it's my my mother's brother. Uh, his ex wife. They had. Okay. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, your mother's brother, his ex wife. Yeah. Um. That he uh, he couldn't take me. He works. He owns his own music store. So for, technically, your aunt. Yes, but not by she, blood. No, by but not by blood. But she she has a daughter. She's my cousin, mm-hmm. so it it made sense. And okay. they, she lives in the same area that I do, so I didn't have to really move out of the area. Right, and you could still continue going to your school. And, right. right. Um. So I was with her. I want to say like six months until the end of the school year. Mm-hmm. What year is this? Just a place. I was in time? third grade. So and in third grade, what? How I was about old? eight by that point. So we're, what year? Year. Um, ninety three. Ninety three. Okay, because I'm, I'm every time you, you relate the story, I sit there going like, "Oh my god, what an incredibly sharp school!" Like if that had happened when I was a kid, like it didn't happen. I was you'd hear stories and nothing would be done. But in by the nineties, by usually by the eighties, actually by that like 
different strokes episode mm-hmm. where Arnold was molested by the, the bicycle shop owner. I think pedophilia started getting out there more. People are yes. like, oh, this is real. This is very real. And it's not just like a crazy sick uncle or something. It's pervasive. It's a lot of people. It's, it's a, a tremendous amount it's of insane. people. Like, I mean, it, there's a statistic of one in three women uh, get raped. And I believe that's also part of the statistic. Because I would believe that. It counts. I would absolutely believe that because I've not, I, I know way too many women who have privately said to me, I went through something of that nature, whether it be molestation or actual rape or anything like that. So this is 1993 yes. and you're staying with your aunt. Uh, aunt. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Um, after the school year ended, my father, he was living in Tennessee at the time. He took custody of me for about two months. Mm-hmm. I really don't remember anything about it other than I was completely miserable. Right. Um, the state made the deal with my mom while I was in Tennessee She's down in Florida. And she's fighting to get you yeah, back. Yeah, she's. Whole time. Oh, oh, yeah. She she fought tooth and nail to get me back. She had to make the agreement that um, she didn't have to divorce my stepfather, but she did have to leave him. He could not be in the same residence as me. Mm. They, um, they never convicted him, obviously. I've, I've made that statement. Um, but after she got him out of the house, they, they approved me to come back. Mm. I went back with her. But unfortunately, with uh, within a very short amount of time, I'd say maybe three or six months, he was right back in the home with us. Get the fuck out of here. And, and doesn't the state then also step in and be like, hey, he's not supposed to be back? No. That was it? That was it. They closed the case. So there's no follow-up. So no. basically three, six months later, he comes back he, and nobody does anything, not even your mom, to stop it? No. She more than happily accepted him back in the home. She did for many, many years after that. He would leave – and come back and leave and come back, you know. Now, what happens when you go back to the house? Um, it, it actually, it, it was, it wasn't really, he never did anything to me after that. Right. Obviously, he was smart enough not to. Right. Uh, <laughs> but it obviously was very uncomfortable for me. I made it very clear to my mother I didn't want him there. How old are you at this point? Um, I would say probably eight or nine, somewhere in there. Probably getting more into 94. Uh-huh. I was born in August, so. Um, midway. Actually, yeah, your birthday is very, very close to mine. Mine's August 7th. Get out of here. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. God. So you're a Leo as well? Yes, I am. Um, okay. So at what point then, when is the next instance? The next instance. Because oh, it doesn't end there. It's no, like, it doesn't. That's the other thing. It's like you hear this and you're like, good God. Yeah, it just gets worse and worse and worse. You, just, you go, go like, this has to be the end. And no. then no, it's like it just continues to fucking spiral down. The fact that you can speak as eloquently as you can about or at all about it is is dumbfounding when as we continue on with the story right then and there those two big moments you've described horrifying enough for anybody that's never undergone anything remotely controversial in their childhood hopefully anybody listening who's never undergone anything remotely as controversial in their childhood or damaging or scarring are sitting there right now going like i had it really good Yes. You know what I'm saying? I, I would hope so. Yeah, I would, I, I, I'm going to see my mother tonight at the Red State Premier. I'm going to give her a huge fucking hug. Thank huge you. Hug. Thank you so much for being a good mom. You're you're brave. You're brave. Okay, here we go. So okay. the next instance. The next instance, I believe I was uh, around nine or ten. Okay. I was, uh, I want to say I was in the fifth or sixth grade. Um, we moved many, many times. Um, and for some reason, I never had a bedroom. Uh, so... And my mother was still using the prescription pills. And as the years went on, and uh, we'll get into this more, it, it became very severe. Her, uh, her drug usage. Yeah. Uh, she was always a functioning drug addict. Mm-hmm. She always had a job, always paid all of her bills. Mm-hmm. But when she got home, that was it. You okay. know, there was no mom. But she was uh, – right. She was there just... was no mom. It was like, okay, you take care of yourself. You know, I paid the bills. That's that's good enough. 
So wait, she took care of the bills. She didn't cook for you or anything mm, like that? Not really. No, I, I, I seem to recall cooking for myself quite a bit from like probably eight on. And, uh, and and you know exactly what's going on with her too. I mean, if, oh, yeah. if at age seven you know what crack is, then I mean, I, I I I with my mother, I didn't know about the pills. Mm-hmm. I knew that she drank a lot, and I was under the impression that she was just a flat out alcoholic. Right. Um. But I did find out when I was about twelve or thirteen. I figured out that she was using prescription pills, and that's what really made her crazy. That just drinking, you know, she'd be a little, she was a little bit of a nasty drunk. Uh-huh. But when she took the pills, ooh, the venom would fly. What do you mean? Explain. So it would go from her just being a mean drunk to her being a venomous drug addict? Yeah, it would go from being just like kind of a, a jerk kind of drunk to like fists flying and cussing and, you know. At you? Cr- yeah, craziness for absolutely no reason. She just she would get it into her head. I had done something, and she would just come at you and be like, "Jamie." Yeah, she would. She would go when she would get home. She would go back in her bedroom, uh-huh. and I didn't know what she was doing back there. She'd be back there for like an hour, hour and a half. And sometimes she'd come out, and we sit and watch TV and be cool. Sometimes she'd come out, and she would just fly off the handle for no reason. So it was a very, very uh, traumatic uh, environment to be in. Right. Add to it the crackhead who molested you. Yeah. <laughs> Add to it no bedroom to close your door. Right. Yeah, there was no escape. There right. wasn't a way to get away from it. Um, so what ended up happening when I was uh, at that age, uh, George, my stepfather, was not in the picture at all. He had uh, gone off mm-hmm. on his own merry way for that year. Um, He'll be back. Yeah, he's always came back, unfortunately. <laughs> um at that point, one of she had run into one of his friends okay. and just randomly, I don't know where they were at, but he came over our house one day in the evening time and they were sitting, drinking, watching TV together. No big deal. About 10 o'clock at night, no, she passed out. She went back in her bedroom, passed out, cold, dead to the world. He was still there. Right. Um, he he um, got me to smoke pot for the first time. How old are you? I was like about like uh, nine or ten, somewhere in there, eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there. And I mean, I'm sitting across from you. It's not like uh, I don't know how I don't know how somebody overly sexualizes you now, let alone at age nine or fucking ten. You look like a little nine, ten year old kid right it's not like you're like yeah, no, I tarted was, the fuck up or anything no no i was you have a daughter you know what she looks like <laughs> yeah, at yeah. that age i that's what i looked like i look like looks at that and it's just like hey let's get high together as we'll point out there's a lot of people that are like that in this world Fucking animal. it's it's almost disturbing how many people are secretly like that <sighs> uh, all right so wait he gets you stoned he gets me stoned and he um he molested me as well, um, hand-wise. And now, are you conscious? Oh, yeah. I was conscious. I was obviously very uh, in- stoned. Because, right. you know, the, the first time you, you smoke, it's like, <gasps> Yeah. It's, you know, so, yeah, I was awake for it. I was, I was aware what he was doing. Right. But I never once, like, hey, mom, help me. Right. You know, well, plus was, she's fucking passed out. Yeah, yeah. She had no idea what was going on. And then uh, he left and I never saw him again. Honestly, never saw him again a day in my life after that. And he sticks with you, though, I imagine. Oh, yeah. I, um, uh, if I saw him on the street, I'd know exactly who he was. Do you think it was a, and he knew your stepfather? Yeah, he was also a, he was one of his 
crack acquaintances. Do you think it was like a subject of like, hey, I molested my daughter and the dude stored that information and later on was like, hey. I guess that I would prefer to think that that did not happen. Really? You just think it was happenstance? <gasps> I hope to God it was. Oh, I really hope damn. to God it was. But I, I – I, I have no way of knowing. Right. There was so many years in between, and George was always very, very adamant that he never molested me. Right. So, and all, to the point where when I was an adult and in therapy, that's one of the things we had to focus on really heavily was because whether it really happened or not. Right. You know, whether – because my mother told me my entire life that I had made it up. Right. That it was all in my head. So when you get told that for, you know, you start 10 it. years or so, it you question, especially at seven, you know, your memory's not good from that age. Yeah. So I had to question like, well, maybe I was wrong, you know, so I don't know. So I, in therapy, they helped you kind of, uh, which, what did you arrive at in therapy? Like it did or didn't? You, you do definitely speak about it as you, you make it a little more like from what I remember. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just being being honest. Right. I mean, I don't want to be like, yes, I vividly remembered everything. Right. No, uh, what happens is when you go through trauma in childhood, uh -huh. same thing with um, trauma like in, the, in, in a war zone, mm. uh, your brain, it, to, in order to process everything, kind of just puts up a barrier. Like, okay, well, we need to get past this. So let's not ever think about that ever again. Right. You know, so it, 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 it was a little cloudy. I went through um, – what's called a cognitive behavioral therapy. Explain. What it is, is it helps you access the parts of your subconscious that have that barrier up. It's um, through uh, hypnosis, uh -huh. although it's not hypnosis like you would see on TV where- Yeah, like so you're it, a chicken. Yeah, 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 no, it's nothing like that. <laughs> you're like, it's, I wasn't a chicken. It's actually getting yourself into like a meditative state almost mm -hmm. so that the therapist can help kind of guide you to that point and you just kind of relate to him what you're seeing, the emotions you're feeling uh, at the time. Right. And um, through several years of that, you can kind of paint a picture of what happened. Right. And get a better idea of what happened. And we um, we came to the conclusion that it did happen. Um, with some additional information was given to me by my father when I was about 18 years old because he got custody of me for Your that short father. amount of time. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, he gave me the actual court documentation from the state and let me have read it, it so you can yes. see what it actually said and um i read got to read the doctor's report because when you're molested or raped they do what's called a rape kit right. and it's very very invasive it's, it's for, for a seven-year-old uh -huh. they uh you go to a hospital and they take pictures they take samples it's it's horrible swabs and whatnot. yeah yeah so um I read the doctor's report and they came back and said, although they couldn't prove who had done it, um, you know, any kind of DNA wise, was it was obvious that something had, had happened, been done. There's activity. you know, so that for me helped a lot to kind of, eh, well, even, you know, even if it wasn't him, somebody did it, right, right, you right. know, it happened. It's not all in my head. And it doesn't even sound like you destroyed his life. You know what I'm saying? Oh, he destroyed his life he on destroyed his, his own. Life long before <laughs> he didn't he need any anything. of my help. Yeah, really. Um, okay, so second incident. You tell people? No, because look what happened after the first one. My so life was completely ruined. So it's like, well, it's over now. Let's just move on. Is so really at that age, you're, you have uh, wisdom enough, or just kind of you've gone through the experience. You're just like, okay, last time I said something, they pulled I got me fucked. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then fucking things are kind of back to somewhat normal. Yeah, even I still got to see my grandfather every weekend, and because I was back in Florida, uh -huh. and um, 
with the exception of the few hours every evening I had to deal with my mother, I mean, I loved school. I loved to read. You know, I I was uh, I tried to be a typical child. It's just towards the evening hours that I'd have problems. <laughs> it became a little <laughs> more difficult. During the day, I was a regular kid. Student by day, at night, just an adult, man. Like you yes. had to live an adult life from a young age. Yes. And then forced into adult situations beyond Repeatedly. like – It's one thing of like, hey, man, I got to cook for myself because my mom fucking passed out. It's another thing when somebody's like, smoke some weed. Let's fool around. And you're fucking nine, ten years yeah. old. Exactly. So you tell nobody. No. What happens? And then it happens. Well, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> There's just so again, much to say. Again, you hit a place where you're like, oh my God. That can't, this gotta be it. When does this poor girl catch a break? When does Job finally, <laughs> you know, face God to be like, would you fucking stop? What happened next? Um, uh, we again, we moved a couple more times after that, I think two more times. Mm-hmm. At that point, I was. When you say we, you and my mom, mom and I. My mom and my, like I said, my stepdad would float in and out. Right. He, he'd like stay with us for a week or stay with us for a month. But, uh, honestly, I think it's whenever he was in town and wanted to get laid. He, he kind of just show mom. up, you know, kind of like a booty call kind of thing. Right. Or if he need a place to sleep, you know. Convenience. Yeah. yeah he, but he didn't ever take care of my mom like a husband should. Right. So it was a marriage. Did they ever of, get divorced? Uh, they got divorced when I was 13. She actually had to pay him to sign the divorce papers. Yeah, really? he blackmailed her into the. He's like, I'm not signing this unless you give me what? Enough like for. Like 300 bucks. So it was a few vials of crack. Yeah. Yeah, she told her. He's That's like, what a marriage is worth. I yeah, guess, he's, to like, some. he's like basically like, well, if you don't pay me, then I won't sign the paperwork and you'll have to hire a lawyer. And then you're really fucked. Wow. You know, so. Drug, yeah. drug addicts are, are a tremendous businessmen. Yes, they are. Well, they're, they're master manipulators. <laughs> yeah, in they, a big bad way. They, they can they can get what they want out of a lot of situations. But um, you and, guys have moved at this point. Yeah, we oh, we've moved we moved probably ten times uh-huh. when I was a kid. Um, we moved into this place, and uh, again, no bedroom. Still, you don't get a bedroom. No, I didn't get a bedroom till I was the like TV movie of, the TV movie version of your life story is called A Bedroom for Jamie. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what we're aiming toward. Eventually, you get a place to a place a room of one's own. Yeah, where I can lock wrote. the door and hide. Yes. Um. So I, again, I was I was I wasn't sleeping on the couch. We were um, my mom and I were sharing a bed. We had like a king size bed. And right. We would sleep in. and you know when you you got a mother and a daughter, that's not really so questionable. Not at all. I slept with my I, for two years. I slept with my grandmother. Her husband died when I was nine, and she lived right around the block from us. Mm-hmm. And I always, you know, my mother was like, "Well, go spend time with your grandmother." Yeah, I spent time with her anyway. I liked her, and we'd play cards all the time. Rummy. That's what I. Yeah, that, yeah, I played rummy with my grandparents. Old people fucking love that rummy game. Oh yes, like, they you read do. About and, shit. and she would wear glasses so I could see her cards reflected in her glasses. <laughs> so I was a good cheat, and she figured that out one day. Um, but it, I lived with her for two years. I mean, I would go home in the morning, get dressed for school, and leave from the house, and I'd come home to my house and be there all day. And then like seven thirty, eight o'clock go around the block and uh, stay at grandma's house. And there was a separate room there, but I was like, I'd rather stay here in the bed with, with you and stuff. So I, apparently I kicked a lot. She would always <laughs> say that and she had some bruised legs. And for an old lady, that's a problem and stuff. Yes. But yeah, there's nothing creepy about sleeping with No, no. I mean, like I said, we were, you know, mother and daughter, so there was nothing wrong with that. Right. Now, what ended up happening was this is a very odd situation. Um, my next door neighbor, uh, he did <laughs> – he touched me as well. The I've, next door neighbor to where you're living at yeah, this point. How was, old are you? He, I was, I would say probably 11 okay. at this point. He touched me as well. He was about 50 years old at the time. He was married. 
Um, well, honestly, um, I don't have so much animosity towards him. Just, I, I brought that up to my therapist. I said, I have all this laundry list of guys that have molested me. Right. Why do I feel differently about each one of them? You know, I, I don't. I, I don't feel the same about each single one, and that, that seemed odd to me. And right. he explained to me, he says, well, you know, you can pretty much determine in your own mind which one of these people were predators um, and which one of these men were just curious because at that point I was very sexualized. I I pretty much offered myself to any adult male that came within feet of me. At age 11? Well, I mean, that's what I had been convinced at that point was that – that's what men expected of me was that I needed to allow them to do that. So like, did you ever see, was that Natalie Portman movie, Leon or the professional? Oh yes. Yes. So like in that way where she's walking around kind of like a little more adult than she yes. looked or something like that. Yes. But not flat out. No, like, I hey, do you dressed, want to fool I never, around? I never dressed any kind of promiscuous, but in, in a mannerisms. But what do you mean throw yourself? Like, how do you, how does like flirtation? Like, uh, uh or, um, I was uh, starting to develop at that point, so uh, leave my cleavage showing, uh-huh. things of that nature. Just being very, very um, tawdry with men. And so this dude, uh, 50-year-old neighbor, married neighbor. Uh, yeah, he'd been married for 30 years. I think that it just kind of just wore on him right. after a while. And it would just happen for a few seconds, honestly. Right. It was just like – but he did – uh, put his hand inside of me. Uh, repeated occasions? Just no, just moment. the one time. But the odd thing that happened <laughs> is that he had a friend who would come over and visit. They hung out together quite a bit. Uh-huh. The friend did the same thing. Yeah. And I know for a fact that they never talked about it. it, it, it I, really? I really do not think. See, I was going right for pass along. I'm like, no. maybe these pedophiles like talk to one. I really another. don't think they did. In that case, in that instance, I really don't think that they knew that each one had done. And I never told either one of them. And was his friend like same age kind of thing? Yeah, his friend was the same kind of age. But again, I think that th- that those two particular cases were temptation. I don't think that those guys would ever turn around and do that to another just random child. Right. I think that it was – there is this child that is somewhat developed at this point right. that's throwing herself at me. Right. Um, actually, my therapist gave me an excellent analogy. when He gave me an example of a patient he had had. A, um, I think he said he was like an eight-year-old girl. She had had same experiences. I had severely uh, sexually traumatized. Uh-huh. He said the first meeting he had with her, first appointment – she walked in the room and immediately crawled in his lap. That's that's oh, where her like to go to sleep or no, like to suck his dick. No, I don't, I hope <laughs> to not. sit on his lap. Like, like you know, that's what she thought men expected of her. To was what, crawl, to, like literally like, like just big just, daddy him kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Ew. Really? Yeah, and it, it, it obviously made him very very uncomfortable. But his point to me was that <laughs> he's like, hey man, yeah. this is going to be all about your TV movie is called Get on the fucking couch. Yeah. <laughs> Get yes. off my lap. Yeah. This is what I signed up for. <laughs> but all right, to be fair, you're very magnanimous with the fucking fifty year old scumbag who touched you at age I eleven. Am. But there is no temptation or not. It's no, it's not right. Obviously, no, no. he's a fucking monster. I'm as not well. making he's just excuses for anyone. Not nearly as big a monster as the others. No, no, I'm not making excuses for anyone. Right. I'm just, I'm just trying to make the point that I don't think that they would ever have harmed 
anybody. I wouldn't. It's not somebody that I would classify as a predator. Right. I think it was really like a temptation. I mean, men cheat on their wives all their time. I mean, yeah, so. Yeah, but not with fucking No, no, kids. no. Well, yeah, they kind of do. Uh, uh, and that's, much where, <laughs> that's where we're, we're heading going. next. Uh, because again, <laughs> just when you think we've hit the bottom of well, this Well, there's horrible... actually, there's one more. Oh my God. There's one more. Oh my and God. And this guy was a predator. This okay. guy was a flat out predator. It's weird how, I, I mean, I guess it's not weird. Like to the outside world, uh, somebody who's never been through a situation like that, never been a victim of a pederasty or anything. They're just, you just look at them as like, they're all. No, they're not all the same. Bad. They're, they're all, all the there's same. There's different types. And you have subtle nuances between. There's definitely different types. There right. are the types. Types that because you have to understand that um, sexual molestation or, or anything like that much of the time has nothing to do with sex. Right. It has to do with control. One, the man wanting control over someone. Right. So and it, who easier to have control over than a child? Um, there's also another type of person who a pedophile, and I think that the word pedophile is used way too loosely in our society. A pedophile is someone who is attracted to someone who is prepubescent. So if you see a 16 year old girl walking down the street and she's got little short shorts on, and you check her ass out, you're not a pedophile, okay? Mm. She looks like a woman. At you're, that and point. you're hearing this from someone who was molested. Yeah, I, Jamie's I, well, giving I, us all a license to appreciate the 16 year olds. I know. No. Not in that sense. I, I don't like think you should go out and have sex with any of them because yes. it'd be Let's illegal in many sets. And yeah. In many states, that's illegal. But I'm saying that you're well, not – if, if you find a teenage girl that's fully developed attractive, you're not a pedophile. Right. Okay? A pedophile is someone that's attracted to a child that has no adult features. Right. They're attracted to the fact that they are a, a kid. Ugh. That's a pedophile. Okay. Okay? The guy that uh, we moved once again – Class of so wait a second. Let's do a quick classification yeah. of the one of the dudes that molest you. Then your stepdad, not pedophile. A pedoph is a pedophile? Yeah, I know for a fact that he um, he sexually molested supposedly uh, a couple of other people, and my mom knew about it when she married him. Oh my god, your mother. Uh, yeah, I know. Mm, okay. God bless her. Yeah. Well, we all make mistakes, but your mother. She makes made a lot of mistakes, doozies, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> She's like, that's the woman that's just like, what's this button do? And <laughs> <laughs> the mushroom cloud. Um, oh, God. Okay, so he's a pedophile. Mm -hmm. The next one was the friend who visited. I don't know him well enough to know. But if you uh, had to guess. I'd probably say pedophile because he got me high, you know. Right, that's right. But he that's predatory behavior. Yeah, th that's what I'm saying. It wasn't something he just stumbled upon. Yeah, he's like, oops, look what's and happening. And at that point, at that age, I didn't. I wasn't developed at all. Yeah. And anybody know? that's like, well, he's suspect right from the jump by being like, come here, young let's child. High. Let's get stoned. <laughs> yeah. Who it's needs to get high with somebody that much? Yeah, that like, it's 11 o'clock at night and you've got to go to school tomorrow. Let's get high. Unbelievable. Okay. So the next and then the neighbor guy, you wouldn't classify as a pedophile? No, no I don't think so. I think that he felt pretty guilty about it afterwards. And then neighbor guy friend? No. Um, okay. Keep going. You said there's one more. One more. Okay. We moved again. This time, I got a bedroom. Oh, lucky me. There it I is. finally got a bedroom. Finally. <laughs> so. And that's when it became horrible. Yeah. Behind the bedroom door, fucking even worse things could happen. Uh, I no, actually, uh, I, I hid in my room quite a bit. Was uh, that the safe haven? Oh, yeah. That, I actually once uh, put my dresser in front of the door so my mom couldn't get in. She couldn't get in the room. It's because she was like a drug addled kind of like. Yeah, she wanted to beat the, beat the crap out of me kind of For thing. what? God only knows. Just made something up. Oh, she constantly just make. I was the perfect kid. I made straight A's in school. I always went to school. I always did, did, never got in trouble. I have no idea why she beat the crap out of me so much other than her own frustrations. Right. And would she do that 
when she um, was just what, what, would she hit you when she wasn't no. stoned? No, so no, no. She was a great drugs. mom when she was sober. Straight, yeah. Oh yeah, she was very caring, loving mother. That's why it was so hard for me to the pendulum swings so yeah, hard in the other like, direction. Why do you love me so much and then you hit me? I don't get it. You know, yeah, which like you can't even explain that to an adult, let alone a fucking child. Right, exactly. So um, we moved. Like I said again, uh, got my own bedroom. Uh, we moved. What had happened was um, my grandfather passed away at mm-hmm. that point because I think that's significant. Uh, I was 12 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. His loss hit me very, very hard because that was the only the positive only male I ever in met. Your whole fucking life. Yeah. yeah, he's the only only male in my life that didn't want to have sex with me. Right, right, right. Um, so that I took that really hard. Yeah, really, really hard. First death experience. Um, so we, uh, it was summertime. No school. School was out. Uh-huh. And uh, we had just moved. My mom uh, went to work every day. So I was by myself, you know, 12-year-old kid. That's not really, a, a you know, untypical. Where are you your... living at this point? Uh, this is still in Florida. Still Florida. We moved so much, but it was always within the same, like, county. Right. Uh, we lived in Sarasota County. And it's literally – there's, like, five or six cities within the county. And we just basically moved from one town to another town to another town. Right. Um. So during the summertime – you think that was a manner of like, this will be better. Like, here we can start fresh. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think there was a couple of situations where we, we didn't pay our rent. And so had debt, to get, running yeah, from debt and shit. Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, during the summertime, uh, we had a neighbor that lived uh, three or four houses down from us. Mm-hmm. And he had two kids. Uh, they were his um, stepkids. But he had full custody of them. And the natural mother were gone i guess you'd like abandon them or something Ugh. but they were like four and six maybe and um this guy the the father uh tim was his name mm-hmm. he um he befriended me wanted to know if i wanted to babysit his kids and stuff he was a he was a nurse a male nurse and um very very quickly within a few weeks um he started flirting with me and and touching me um, not uh, not aggressively so. Right, but just um, hands on shoulders. Yeah, yeah, inappropriate touches. Like if um my shoulder strap fell down, he'd he'd lift it up for me. Right. Stuff like touching in the small of your back, things like that. And how old is he? Um, I think he was thirty six. Okay, and you uh, are twelve. Twelve. I was. It was in the summertime, so I'm getting ready to turn thirteen. Fucking, right. Yeah. You know, Even um, then, inappropriate. Oh, still, still completely inappropriate. Uh, not acceptable. But he did uh, – he really prepped me uh, to see if I would accept his advances. And that's a that's a sign of a pedophile, someone that just kind of works works his way into it very slowly, right. like a game almost. Right. Um, but you and, were developing at this point. Uh, yes. So is he still technically a pedophile? Yeah, because I mean like I was – I mean 12 years old, you know, you're just starting to sprout right, at that right, right. point. You know, you're not – developed right right right. you know so yeah i definitely classify this guy as a pedophile okay um so what ended up happening after during the course of the summer um we he was the first man to ever ask me to perform oral sex on him and how old are you i was 12 12 i guess getting ready to turn 13 right um 
And it, it never went further than that. I asked him, actually, I specifically asked him, why don't you want to have sex with him, like real sex with me? <laughs> he made up this story to say to me, he says, well, my penis is so large that I'm worried that you'd need stitches afterwards. In reality, he didn't want to leave his DNA on me. Yeah, that's, that's what, what it, it really was. He, uh, well, have you ever heard of a woman coming across a penis so large? Because he didn't have that big of a penis. <laughs> I'll tell like, you that right now. I, 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 I hate to say this, but I have experience. Yeah. And what I'm telling you is you're not packing. No, yeah, he wasn't packing heat. So, And I've never, ever heard of a woman that needed stitches afterwards. I, I think you're kind of built to stretch very, very far. You, uh, you could birth. deliver a child. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, a kid comes out of the birth Yeah, canal. so that was, that was a made-up story because he didn't want to leave How evidence. How long did it go on? Um couple months. Couple and are months. you babysitting his kids a little bit? Yeah. Time? You think his kids were in jeopardy at all? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Really? Yes. They're not at that point, but I think that he was Because like, I'm not related to these kids at all. Exactly. Ugh. I think he was planning on, on moving on with them eventually. Ugh. So I actually stopped that myself. I got very – after a couple of months uh, – I got very uncomfortable. I, I felt so dirty. Right. Every time I saw him, I felt like I needed to take a shower afterwards. And every time you saw him, was it an every time kind of thing? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. He, you know, he, he would, he because he was a nurse, he worked odd hours. Right. And he would be at home during the day. And I would just go down there with him. And because my mom thought I was babysitting his kids, she didn't really question it at all. You know, so, yeah. So I would go down there, just walk a few houses down. And that was the afternoon People are fucking complex, man. Like he goes to his job and the job's literally to help people and the seat of their health and in some cases help save their lives. And then he comes home and fucks with another life. Yes. Just destroys it repeatedly over and over again. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's hard to understand uh, even from my perspective. Again, I apologize for my entire gender. (laughs) <laughs> I, Please I, don't. Not, I mean, Please don't because you're it's not all so bad. so shitty though. But There's I, I, so, I, many so many men out there stories. that are good It's tough though. to imagine. Yeah, I don't know. I think that I think there's more there's more good than bad out there and that's where we need to focus. You know, we right, should appreciate right. the men out there that are like you that are like that's horrible. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. You're very, you are I, I can't I don't think I've ever met anybody as generous of spirit who has been fucked over. As you are. You know what I'm saying? Most people, you've been fully justified to be like, the world is a terrible place and everyone in it is evil. And still you're just like, you know, there's a shining light right over the hill. Well, there is. There always is. I've come to find that out throughout my life that no matter how dark the days get, the dawn will always show up. No. There will always be another day. Unless course you pass away then there won't be <laughs> but at that point you won't care yes yeah, so uh, we become carefree in that moment where exactly. it's like done exactly what uh, okay so after this you put an end to it yeah. did he let it end yeah i think he because uh, um he's scared yeah because if i if he pushed it yeah i might say something right 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 you know so he just let it wane off and i stopped talking to him and i actually um i think two years later i said something to him as i was while i was walking my dog and he was outside, and I I said something like, "Hey, I realized that you knew what you were doing with me," and he turned white. Get he turned here. white. I think he was scared I was gonna tell. And actually, that was the only one of the besides my stepfather. I did report that uh, to. I told my mother about it, but the, it wasn't for my own benefit. Right. What ended up happening when I was about fifteen or so? News watching the news in the evening came on the news this guy's picture comes up this dude yeah saying that he kidnapped two kids 
Yeah. I burst into tears because I felt immediate guilt that, oh my God, if I had said something, this oh would never God. have happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mom asked me, it was one of those most, uh, rare sober moments. She asked me, so why are you crying? We're watching the news. Cause I mean, she knew that that was Tim. Right. She recognized him. And I told her what happened. I said, yeah, you know, that summer I was babysitting his kids. Well, this is what happened. So, um, she contacted the police, uh -huh. um, which is so strange because she was not interested in getting the police involved any other time. <laughs> yeah, <really. laughs> um, but we contacted the police. I went and met with the uh, district attorney several times. And we, I mean, we determined there was no way to prosecute him over what happened to me. Right. But I mean, because it's my, my word against his, there's right. no physical evidence. Uh, several years beforehand, a couple years beforehand. Uh, but they did, you know, they they appreciated the information because they were like, okay, once we find him, you know, and we find these kids, then who they, were the kids? Were they? His two? They were. He was dating some woman, and so I, he his, I don't know where. I don't know kids. where his kids went. Right. I don't. They probably went back to a, a family member of some kind. Um, but yeah, they were two girls that this uh, woman had. Now it turned out they they released the news reports uh, several days later that he hadn't actually kidnapped them, that they were just with him and that the mother was with them too. Right. And it was all okay. But at that point, I, it, I mean, it didn't really make a difference to me, but I had done what I felt w was needed. Um, Did they, and, but they couldn't do anything with no, the information. No, there's, I mean, Every like a time you kind of reach out for like help. Yeah. Kind of. People are just like, fuck you. Yeah, there's no <laughs> fucking help. There's no. Oh, and that's, I think that's one of the things that bothered me the most is there were so many people in my life that saw the drug abuse, saw the physical abuse, saw the, the sexual problems, and nobody ever said, hey, maybe we should get her out of there. Yeah. You know, my grandparents at one point. Who's looking out for Jamie and all this? Nobody. Yeah. Me, Jamie. Jamie was. Yeah. My grandparents wanted to um, adopt me at one point. My grandfather specifically. Mm -hmm. But um, his wife convinced him that, you know, I wasn't blood. Yeah, maybe it wouldn't be the best idea. Oh, bummer. Yeah. So, and I've often questioned, man, how things would have been different if he had gone through with it. That's yeah, because right? like half those molestations wouldn't have happened, happened and the yeah. story we're getting to would definitely have not happened. And let's get to it. So after yeah. this, after all of this happens, um, and after the, you report this, the, the Tim. Actually, later, I reported him. Well, that was years after. Yeah, afterwards. Okay, so after the, the summer of Tim. Summer of Tim, immediately starting in August. The Tim was between June and July. Uh -huh. Immediately starting in August. I you. got you're, my. You're living was... such an adult life as a little kid. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. all the. Uh, uh, this was, um, I want to say the summer of 98, mm -hmm. 99, somewhere in there. Um, got my first computer. Got uh, the internet, AOL, dial-up, AOL, and almost immediately started talking to an, an older man. And I was fully uh, on, on AOL, in the um, AOL chat rooms. Uh -huh. And I will fully admit, in the beginning, in the first couple of months, I did lie to him about how old I was. What? I told him I was 18. Okay, but you're a fucking kid. Kids are stupid kid. and kids lie. How yeah, old are you? I was... 13, 13. Okay. Nah, what the fuck? You're not, you're not to be held accountable. Oh, no, for... no. I'm just saying I'll, I'll fully admit that I, I lied to how old I was right. to begin with. Um, it doesn't that was matter. You, a 13-year-old can never lead an adult on. You know <laughs> no, what I'm saying? No, like, no, no. It doesn't matter if you're like, I'm 18. It doesn't even matter if you're buddying up to them. Like, 
dude should have the presence of mind to realize. Well, not well, presence of mind. There should just be no interest. Like an adult should be immediately repulsed considering by his fucking, age. He was um, yes. he was forty six at the time. Now he lied to me about his age too. He told me he was thirty six. So you guys are he's lying yeah, down. He's you're lying, lying up. Lying. Yeah, yeah, great situation. How long was the online relationship? Um. It went from August until December, mm-hmm. and in December, without ever meeting, without ever meeting, exchanging just talking. pictures and stuff. No, no, because no that's back in nineteen. Yeah, well, you're ninety four, so it'd be like ninety. No, no, uh, ninety nine. Ninety nine. So yeah, no, there's still dial up. Yeah, you know. So no, there's not really any pictures. I didn't have a scanner or right. anything like that. It's not like how you can just Do immediately totally. get pictures on. Um. So in around Christmas time, uh, he said to me, "Why don't you come up and see me?" Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> so he bought me a Greyhound ticket to come visit him. Classy. Yeah, really classy. And where classy. is he? Located. In Atlanta, Georgia. So how far? So you're on a bus by yourself? Yeah. From Florida to Georgia? How yeah. long is that? Um, I, I, I didn't make it to Atlanta. Um, my mother reported me as a runaway. Um, Georgia Bureau of Investigation got involved. Um, because they had a feeling it had something to do with online. Right. You know, my mom pretty much told him, you know, she's been talking on this computer a lot lately. Let's, let's take a look at this. This is one of those moments of clarity that your mom has where she, maybe I should have been leaving. No. She just came home. You weren't there and she was like, she ran away. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I never came home. You didn't leave a note. Like I'm heading over here. (laughs) No, I didn't care. Right. What did I care? I wanted to get away from her. That was the whole point of this relationship in my mind uh-huh. was getting away from her crazy ass. Because at this point, she uh, uh, had switched from just taking the um, prescription pills mm-hmm. in high, very high doses orally to um, shooting them up. You take a well, as a Muse used to, he didn't shoot, but Muse would crush up crush his oxys up. and snort yeah. them. Well, she didn't snort them. What she do? She crush them up and then uh, put a little, them in a put, spoon yeah, put a little bit of water in it uh-huh. and then heat it up. And yeah, jacket tap tap. Drum. And what was she taking? What was the uh, at the time? It's like Laura tabs, uh-huh. um, any kind of narcotic. Now, almost immediately following this instance, she started doing what was called um, methadone. She was meth- doing meth to yeah. get off heroin. Like Amuse well, did that. Methadone is used to get people off, off heroin. heroin. It's a synthetic heroin, but um, it's also used for people in extreme, extreme pain. Okay. It's a it is it is prescribed as a painkiller. Her boyfriend at the time, um, he had had broken his neck like three different times. Holy cow. And when they put the halo on you, mm-hmm. the big metal thing, they put pins in your skull Ugh. to hold it on. Yeah. And every time you have one on, the pins go in the same exact spot. And on the third time, the pin busted through and hit him. Hit what? His what? brain. Ah, ew. I'm, I'm yeah. flinching in the chair. Yeah. Oh, Christ. So it, that it, it caused massive pain, like uh, headaches. And right. So that he was on methadone for a painkiller. Right. And he gave it to her freely, like, I and get she was tons like, of this stuff. Take this it. rocks. Yes. yes. <laughs> this is the best thing ever. Right. Yes. So I run away. Um, I made it to me. And make... when she's doing meth, is she getting even crazier? Well, like... don't say meth. Okay. Because meth is something different. Okay. Meth is a, is not, a yeah, stretch. No, not crystal street. meth, but yeah. as, she, as she's methadone. doing methadone, rather. Yes. Is she getting crazier? Is she getting oh, yeah. more abusive? Oh, that stuff made her insane. In what way? Like, like uh, there's an elephant in the room, motherfucker, that way? Yeah, or, like, or like just insane, she beat you more? Yeah, well, it's just both. Like, kind of like everything. she she would 
talk about things. I didn't understand what she was saying. It, she constantly sounded like she had marbles in her mouth. Like, it's very hard to understand. It was never love, you know? How come it was never like, I get high and I just want to talk about how, how great you are, Jamie. Yeah. And how one day we're going to get you a bedroom. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Unfortunately, that never happened. So you're trying to get away from your mom and uh, this motherfucker online who you've been chatting to for a few months. Yeah. He, at this point, still, as I'm traveling to see him, still thinks I'm under is under the impression I'm 18. Right. So um, I get she reports that I'm a runaway Georgia Bureau of Investigation, which is like kind of like a state run FBI kind of right. thing. They get involved. They find me. They pull the bus over um, a, in Macon, Georgia. Oh, and my God. Arrest me because it is against the law for a minor under the age of 18 to leave the state. Is that true? Yes, that's absolutely true. I wasn't charged with anything, right. but I was held in uh, a juvenile detention center for about a week until someone came and got me. Who came and got you? Um, my mom's boyfriend. She didn't come get me. My mom's boyfriend came and got so me. So she reported you as a runaway, but she wouldn't come get you? No. Do I teach you a lesson? I have no idea. <sighs> I, I, I don't know. With all due respect, your mom's a real idiot. Mm. <laughs> I mean, mm. what the fuck, man? It's no, like, what's this, the scary thing is that she, I got my intelligence from her. I, she, so she's much she, smarter normally. It's just she, the, yeah, it's just the drugs made her stupid, made so her do, make, made her make decisions that she would not have made normally. Unbelievable. Okay, so they arrest you. You're in, in juvie for ten days. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Then seven you, to seven or ten days, something like that. Then you go back to the house with. Mom. Yeah, um, I immediately call this guy Frank. And uh, say, hey, you know, what's going on? And he's like trying to act like nothing happened. Oh, I don't know why I didn't show up. And he, he, oh, he had no idea. Oh, why no, that's what I say. He had he was fully aware because Georgia Bureau of Investigation contacted him. Like, why do you have this 13 year old girl coming to see you? Why did you pay for her ticket? And that's when he was like, I didn't know she was 13. I oh thought my she was God, 18. Really? Yeah. So that's why they kind of let him off the hook. I never made it there. Right. You know, he claimed like I had no idea. But. He didn't stop talking to me. He so he found out you were an eighteen. Yeah, and that it didn't end. Oh. It, it didn't end at all. So for him, he was like, "This is even better than I thought." Uh, I, I there's a part of me that thinks so. Probably. Um. So Frank realized how old I was, and um, still continued to talk to me online and on the phone. I actually ran up a uh, three thousand dollar long distance bill on my mother's phone. This is before the r widespread use of cell phones. The teenagers didn't have cell phones. But doesn't your mom go, what the fuck Oh, is yeah. That? Oh, my God. She uh, she had to call the uh, Bell South and get them to take the charges off. They, they agreed to take the charges off because she told them, this is my crazy 13-year-old child did this. I don't know what she's doing. But what did she... Like, aside from like, oh, my she God, Jamie, $3,000 in bills, she knew you were calling that guy. Oh, yeah. She told... And she, for the first... I'd say that this is like in January I get back from running away. Mm -hmm. I'd say the first six months she was adamant that this should not happen. Mm -hmm. This is horrible. You should stay away from this guy. I don't know. I can never – I've never been able to explain the difference. But at some point she just broke down and said, I don't give a shit what you do. I think maybe it was along the lines of I'm tired of dealing with this. I'm tired of saying no, no, no and you don't listen. Right. So just fuck it. You know, so she just kind of cashed in. Yeah, and um, Frank came to visit me. He came to me cashed first. out. I guess would be. Yeah, he came to visit me at your in house? my home in my home with your mom there. Yes, she did meet him. Um, and he is again thirty. No, at that point he was forty six. Forty six years old. Um, for forty six, he shows up to your house. You're how old? Um, thirteen, getting ready to turn fourteen. And your mom. Looks at the dude and never goes, 
like, get the fuck out. What no, the- no. She basically said to him, you know, don't do anything to hurt her, you know. Unbelievable. Okay. So at this point, you go back with him or no? Yes. I The first time he came to visit me, I went back with him for, I believe, the weekend, like three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, something like that. And you'd had this relationship online and on the phone yes. for a long time. And was it yeah, like... About a year at that point. And were you guys sexually chatting during that yes, time? And absolutely. He, so, uh, that was what driv- drove most of it. Was just talking dirty. Yeah. And he's, I guess it's something he introduced or did you introduce it? I would say it was probably mutual. And um, he was just, so it was a lot of phone sex. Again, because at, at this sex. point, psychologically speaking, I'm still under the impression that I'm supposed to fuck any random man that comes across you're, my path. <laughs> yes, you're living a life, a, a teenage life as an adult, essentially. Yeah. What yeah. most 20-somethings would be doing. That's kind of what you're up to at this point. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so when you guys, when he finally comes over to your, when he comes to your house, that's the first time you lay eyes on him in person? Yes, yes. Did it even matter what he looks like at this point? It did. There was a part of me that did, it was like, ugh. Really? Yeah. You were like, you were let down? Well, like I said, he had. You were like, you said you were I was under the 30. impression he was 36. I did not know at this time when I met him that he was 10 years older than when he was. He looked it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he looked like a really hard 36. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I wasn't really impressed with uh, what he looked. But, again, it was a way out. Right. It was like it was a way to get away from the situation I was in. When he visited you at your place, is he just picking you up and leaving or is he no. staying at your place? He stayed at my place. Did he stay, he, he you slept in my room. With you? Yes. And your mom is there? Yes. Um, and then does he – Is his name's Frank? Yes. Is Frank – at least had the presence of mind to like, well, certainly not under this roof. Am I going to try anything? Or did he? He tried. Um, he had a little bit of an impotence problem. So we know I, we did. Uh, so the desire that, was the spirit was willing. Oh, yes. The flesh, the was, flesh was not willing. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, oh, my God. Okay. Um, so what do you wind up doing instead? Not I'm not getting into the particulars, but you wind up spending the night with him fooling around in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And that begins the the quote unquote relationship. Yeah, yeah. We and use the term we, loosely. Yes, and then we uh, we head back to Atlanta together. Next day, uh, something. He, I think he was down for a couple of days, and then how fucking awkward. He's older than. Is he older than your mother at this point? Actually, he was. He was older. He was like two years older than my mom. Like, how awkward are the fucking conversations in the kitchen? Well, the, she didn't know how old he was either. She thought he was 36, too. Even then. But even though, that doesn't, that's not an excuse by any means. Kid. <laughs> that's it's not so excuse. strange. They didn't really talk to each other. I mean, like I said, she, when she would go to work for 10 hours a day, come home, go in Load her bedroom. Up, yeah. I mean, as soon as she got home, she'd go in the kitchen, make a drink. I, I got to imagine in this instance, maybe she's loading up maybe one extra pill, maybe an oh, extra shot because yeah. essentially you're turning your daughter over to a fucking middle-aged man. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So you guys go to Hotlanta. Yes. Um, and, um, and he's got a place there? Oh, yeah. he's He actually came from a very, very wealthy uh, family mm-hmm. and an old school wealth kind of thing. So Old he money. Had, yeah, old money. Uh, which unfortunately allowed him to live the lifestyle he was, and nobody ever really put him in check for it. And what is that lifestyle, Jane? Um, he had a lot of what I would consider sexual perversions. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very interested 
in me having sex with other people. Mm -hmm. And from what he, I didn't make the connection at the time that I knew him, but I have later in life. He told me about his, um, his wife, his ex-wife. Mm -hmm. He met her when she was, I believe, 16, 15 or 16. So um, he, but he was considerably younger. Um, he was in his 30s at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and he, she, he met her at a truck stop. She was a prostitute at a truck stop. Oh, she was like a, 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 a truck slut. What do yeah, they call that? A, a lot, lot, lizard. lot lizard. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, from what he told me, he met her. Married her two days later and then started continuing her prostitution career. So they met, got married, and then she kept being a – Yeah, upper. and he kind of just took the money in. So he became a pimp. Yes. Interesting. So um, that's – and that's basically what happened with me. And the way it was presented to me, it was never, ever presented to me like, I want you to go prostitute yourself out to people. Right. It was presented to me that, hey, I'm – my shit don't really work. I'm kind of impotent. It would really turn me on if you had sex with these people. He rocked you with a break in the waves, man. Yes. Did yes. you ever see that movie? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Breaking away is a Lars von Trier movie where the dude's not—he's not fucking. It's not this instance, but he—he oh. uh, he gets the main character gets injured and paralyzed from the neck down. He's involved in this relationship with this uh, woman. I can't remember if they're married or not, but he's like, look, I can't, I'll never be able to do things again. So I want you to go out, have sex, come back and tell me all about it. Yeah. That's basically, it was Maybe like. Maybe you saw that movie, man. What year is this? Um, oh my God. Could 99. You this is 99. I wonder if that might've been around on the same, like, yeah. I wonder if that did. Could you imagine somebody watches that movie and walks away going like. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's how I can get this chick to go on a stroll for me. All right, so he said, like, look, I can't get it up, so I want you to have sex with other people? Yes. Was he around for it? Sometimes. some, But it was never – he was never involved. Right. He was always just kind of in the background somewhere. Right. Like monitoring what's going on. Well, explain the first situation. Well, I it was never like a street walking kind of situation. No, you weren't on a stroll. No, 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 no. He works – well, first off, you're too fucking young. How old are you? It was 14. So he's probably working within a network of people that he used, are into um, the weird and He used illegal? several websites um, uh, like adultfriendfinder, alt.com, which is like an S&M website. Uh -huh. that, that's where a lot of this uh, – a lot of the people that I ended up with, kid, their focus was, was like an S&M kind of thing. Right. Um, so he would set everything up. Right. He would, he would contact these people. I never was involved with any of it. I would just be told, okay, this person's going to come by the house tonight or we got to go over to this hotel tonight, you know, and this is what they expect of you. This is what they want from you. And what would – like, for example, what was expected? What was – It depended on the person. But like I said, a lot of it was very, very like kinky S&M kind of stuff and they – it always had a lot to do with like complete and total submission. So humiliation? Yeah. Or? Oh, yeah. The one guy one time – um as soon as I walked in, the, I had flown in. He had the – when Frank picked me up, he had the guy with him in the vehicle. Mm -hmm. We got back to his um, condo, Frank's condo. As soon as I walk – this is like 11 o'clock at night. As soon as I walk in the door, I get pushed through the door and they – the guy ripped my clothes off and he started counting on my body freckles and bruises and things. He said, these are imperfections and this is unacceptable. And – he hit me for every imperfection I had. And, so but this for was, every freckle or bruise, he would hit you? Yeah. 
they counted him up, and before he had sex with me, he said, okay, this is how many uh, wax you get, so to speak. Un-fucking-believable. Uh, at least this is where I'm saying. What are you doing? I mean, are you like, I'm out of you, or are you just like, I can't. I was really confused about how I felt. Um, I, of course, was not happy about the situation. Yeah, no shit, man. Kind You're of, like, can't uh, we just have even normal sex? Yeah. Why must I get beaten? Yeah. I, um, it was a situation where I literally threw myself from the frying pan into the fire. Yeah, no Put myself shit. in a way worse situation. At least my mom just beat the crap out of me. She didn't want to have sex with me, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, she wouldn't count in freckles either. No, yeah, no, no. Um, so the, it happened. And I don't, you're, again, the, four, 14? Yeah, 14. So you come through the so – you show up. These people must know they're getting a 14-year-old. You show up I know up for sure a couple of them did because uh, one of them actually called me at my house in Florida uh, wanting to know if I would meet with him separately because he was from Florida. He was a, a fairly big businessman in Tampa uh-huh. and he was fully aware. And Frank had – He like, talked to my mom. He got my – he never told her who he was. Right. But he's like, yeah, I'm a friend of Frank and Jamie's. Is she there? And I get on the phone. It's this guy that I that he's he met me like two or three times to have sex with me. Right. I know for sure he knew. Obviously, he talked to my mom. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's kind of obvious at that point. Was he one of the S and M guys or just yeah? Oh yeah. Up? Oh yeah. And he was obsessed with any his big fetish. I guess was anybody under the age of eighteen. And he flat out told me that. That's what that he, he liked. was. Yeah. Anybody that had not yet turned eighteen yet. <sighs> Um, okay, so wait. First time he, he Frank sends you out. Where first time is he? Did you realize right then and there what it was, or you're like, no? I'm oh just... no, I never looked at it as prostitution at all. Never. When I just you, looked at when it. Did you as look like... at it? When did you go like, holy shit, it was prostitution? When I was in therapy. Took a I while. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I I was under the impression that he just had some really weird sexual fetishes. Right. But you know, I, I went into therapy when I was twenty. So um, it just it became apparent to me that there was some there was probably stuff going on that I wasn't aware of. Right. Um, There was for a long time. I wondered if Frank realized what he was doing was wrong. But there's a part of me that thinks that he did, because like uh, when he would fly me into Atlanta, um, this is before 9-11. So there was the the TSA was way more lax then. Right. He made me up a fake ID had his last name on it so i never even flew in under my own name and then um and he you're, would, again 14 years old taking flights by yourself yeah taking flights from florida to georgia monthly to go have sex yeah but monthly once or twice a month oh on the God. weekends so i go to school during the week you know you know yeah, you're like angel, freshman man. year of high school freshman year of high school you are literally that movie Angel from the 80s, hooker, student by day, hooker by yes, night. Yes, yes, I was. Um, and does your mother know or no? No, she didn't know. She didn't. She knew I was in a sexual relationship with Frank. With Frank. But she didn't know there was anybody else involved. But you weren't really in a sexual relationship No, I was. I mean, he, I mean, obviously we were intimate. Actually, he professed that he wasn't, in his mind, trying to hurt me. Right. He professed his love for me. He wanted me to get pregnant so I could be taken away from my mother and he could marry me. You know, he just they, he talked a lot about um, what was that guy that uh, the singer that married his uh, Jerry Lee Lewis? Yeah, his cousin, his cousin that was like fourteen or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, talked about him constantly, like as a role model. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> um, why does what, why if money was changed hands? I thought he came from old money. Why did he? I don't know. Uh, honestly, I don't. I mean, 
the money wasn't his, so to speak. His, his br- older brother, his brother was about eight years older than him, was mm-hmm. a very, very successful businessman. Frank was not. He has a huge amount of mental illnesses. He, he And uh, I think that his brother really took care of him uh, throughout his life until his brother passed away a few years ago. Um, so I think it was a situation where he was just enabled to kind of do whatever he wanted. And I don't know if necessarily know if he even really need the money, uh-huh. but it is. I, I'm not under the. He bought plane tickets for me twice a month, right. so he wasn't uh, broke by any means. Right. So it was, I guess it was just a situation where I I'll never know for sure. I mean, what the, what was really going down? You know, what? I just have to speculate from re, from retrospect almost. Uh, like him to get the stories about his ex wife, right. Wendy. Um, you just kind of put two and two together like, uh, I think I know exactly what was going on here. What to scare the people out there? Because I mean, as if none of this has been scary enough. And if if you take nothing from this, it's, uh, look out for the fucking kids, would you? Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. To say the least, because the trickle down is fucking enormous and heartbreaking. Uh, tell them without, without going into gory detail, graphic detail, tell Tell them how fucking abusive and and uh, what quote unquote dates are like, or these aside from the fucking push through the door and <laughs> beaten before having sex, other things. And there were I remember you told me a story about like a college professor. Yeah, he. Uh, well, actually, um, a woman. It or was something. yeah a a man. Uh, it was a man and this woman who I was told was a college professor. Uh-huh. Um. The man didn't want to have sex with me, but I had sex with her. Uh-huh. And um, when she took off her pants from her waist down, from like her waist to her thighs, she was solid black and blue. Solid. Never seen anything like it in my life. What do you mean? Where like she was she, bruised? Yeah. Yeah. Where she – it was, again, that S&M kind of thing where I guess she was like submissive to him. Uh-huh. And she would tell me that she's like, you know, when I'm in my class, when I sit down, I can feel the pain – in my backside from the bruises and she she enjoyed it that was her thing but she all right there's a woman yeah and she clearly knows that you're fucking well not in a verbal sense but uh, logically speaking if you're a woman and you see someone who's 14 you're gonna probably know that she's not an adult because physically even though you're starting to develop a woman's breasts look very very different in teenage years than they do when she's in her mid to late twenties. Right. Um, your your breasts don't start developing stop developing till you're like thirty years old. So um, yeah, I would guess that she if, even if it was not said to her, yeah, this girl's fourteen years old. She probably knew something was weird. And the clientele that he that he would set you up with doesn't sound like uh, like. Um you know, oh my God, this is a dude who paid a hundred bucks a crack no. addict. It's oh, all no. like professionals and successful people with Very money. successful people, yes. So it's like cats with lots of cash who are just like, I've pushed the boundaries. Uh, what can I get away with? Unfucking believable. Uh, what are you, how are you processing at this age? Are you doing any drugs to get through this? Oh, yeah. No. Oh, tons of drugs. What were tons you doing? Of, uh, smoking a lot of pot, um, some Coke. Uh, this is a pot and coke kind of thing. Right. Uh, just to get through it, just to 
numb the bad side of it because besides these little dates that I would go on, I was treated like a princess. He'd buy me whatever I want, give me whatever I want. And he did. I mean, I'll say for Frank's side, he did legitimately love me, like not in a a very sick love. Right. But it wasn't like I'm going to hurt this child. It was like. I love her so much, you know, like obsessive love. Yes. It's actually when um, I was the one that stopped everything. And I said, hey, after about nine months or so. So you were doing this I for nine done. months. Yeah, I was done. Okay. I was like, you know what? This is it. I said to him. And again, said, one more time. Mm-hmm. You're 14 or you 15? At this point, I was still 14. I was getting ready to turn 15 at this Could point. you imagine a 14-year-old who's like, I'm done with prostitution? <laughs> I mean, what the fuck had to have happened between those nine months? I, once would be enough, but by the time nine months in, oh, your mind must be Oh, ready I just, to I had really gotten it into my head that this situation is actually not any better than my mom. It's much worse. <laughs> right, right. You realize there's <laughs> more safety there. <laughs> yeah, because she, she's only one person hurting me in that house, right. not multiple people. And no sex involved. Yeah, no sex at all. She never wanted to have sex with me, thank God. Yeah, yeah. There's um, that much we can say for her. Yeah, yeah. So um, I eventually called him one day and I was like, you know what? I really can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it. You know, and his reaction was to burst into tears. He told me he was going to kill himself if I didn't come back. I mean, just oh, like said, real obsessive, obsessive. Yeah. Like, no, you can't leave me. Crying and shit. Oh, yeah. Crying. Calling me. Calling me repeatedly. Please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. And do you ever like threaten him like, motherfucker, if you don't leave me alone, I'm just no. going to call the cops. No. No, because I felt I always uh, there's just a, a side of me that feels a lot of pity for him. Right. I feel bad that because I know for a fact that he was molested as a child, so and he never got help. He had a lot of mental illnesses packed on top of one each other. So for me, I, I feel bad for him more than anything else. I mean, yeah, he did some really horrible things to me, and that doesn't make it okay, mm-hmm. you know. But at the same time, he's a human. Again, again, I got to go back to he's a human being. We are all human beings. We all have our own individual paths. That if any one moment changed. We would be different. Yeah. We wouldn't be ourselves. So until you – because he I, he was 46 years old when I met him. He had 46 years of life before I was ever involved with him. Right. So Which who am I to judge him in those instances of how he got to be that way? I can judge him for what he did to me. Fuck yes, yes. Obviously. But once it was over for me, it was over. Right. Time to move on. I was focusing on getting my high school career back in check. And because uh, with the drugs and everything that my first year of high school, I went from being a straight A student to failing everything. Good God. Um, so Although I, bad grades at this point, least to your troubles. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's probably the least thing I should worry about at that point. Totally. Nobody pushes you through the door at school and goes like, for every bad grade, for every mark on your body, you're getting an F. Yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, that never happened. And even if it did, that ain't painful. No, no, it's not. Unfair, but not painful. Um, your story uh, is is gripping, harrowing, and right, uh, right at the point where it's about to turn cheery, we are out of time. That's fine. But the good news is that we'll sit down again and have the next part of the conversation where you and I talk about what happens from – The good part. Well, we finally hit rock bottom. It took us like an hour and a half, but we yeah. hit the very fucking bottom. Um, and what you'll hear when we next sit down with Jamie is 
how one rises above, how one, how Jamie can sound as normal as she does right now after telling you all the shit she's done. But where her function is right now in, in my life is Jamie runs the Wayne Foundation. The Wayne Foundation, Jamie, tell them what we're trying to accomplish with it. Well, what I would like to eventually accomplish, it will take lots and lots of funding. Mm-hmm. But because this is what I went through, I understand that any person who has this happen, any girl who has this happen specifically, w- there are certain psychological events that happen in their mind that make it almost impossible for them to have a normal life, even mm-hmm. if they're able to get out of the prostitution situation or trafficking situation. Right. Their lives are never going – they can't just go to college. They can't just go and apply for a job somewhere and be normal. Right. You have to go through a lot of processes and steps of healing – um, I want to have a place because right now there's about a hundred beds total in the United States for girls like this that are specifically designed places for them to go. Right. Uh, the federal government, uh, their statistic is that there's currently 300,000, uh, child prostitutes in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, trafficking organizations like mine and others believe that that number is really lowballed, right. which makes it even more scary. Even more horrifying. Um, so 100 beds, 300,000 kids. Uh, there's eight states. Uh, please don't ask me which ones specifically, but I know for a fact there are eight states that don't have human trafficking laws. Mm-hmm. So um, when these girls are out on the street and a cop finds them, a lot of the time they're sent to jail. Even though there could be a man in the background who's leading their who's, lives, yeah, pushing them into who's this. Who's forcing them to do this. Now, in my situation, I didn't have somebody standing over me like, you will do this. Right. But, but a he lot got of to you another girls, way, though. Yeah, there's many forms of manipulation. Right. And, um, but some of these girls do have that where they're like, you won't leave. If you leave, I'll kill you. Scary. Yeah, like with evil, knives to their throats. Like uh, Mia's uh, pimp. In, in, in the Green Arrow yes, series, that kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to to give at least a few kids maybe the opportunity to have a real life, get an education, mm-hmm. have the 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 mental and physical health care that they need, and maybe get them all started on the right path. I mean, you can't you can't force anybody to do anything, right? But to say here, we're going to give you the tools, we're going to give you a place to live. Mm-hmm. If you want to take that and use it, great. We're going to help you all along the way. Essentially, it was Jamie's brainchild to create an organization, create something that didn't exist for her. So essentially, what you'd like to do is the thing that nobody did for you, which exactly. is set something up where you can safely leave. Not just uh, look, you had no, you went from an abusive household to an, another abusive household, yes, and then back to an abusive household, yes, and then finally found some peace, which we'll talk about right. because it all works out. Yes, for Jamie. it does. It, it I, really does. I promise there it, is a good ending to Jamie the story. Jamie does get a bedroom, <laughs> yes, a, a good one where <laughs> lots of great bedroom. shit happens. And, and and before we we send off too, it's like we've talked about horrible sex, but. It all works out there as well. You meet a wonderful man. I You've do. got a great sex life. Yes. I'm, I'm completely healthy now. You weren't – no. I mean scars. You went through some rehab time or rehabilitation time. Yes. But yeah, you, you're one of the lucky few that's not scarred in terms of like so many people that live through molestation like can't treat <laughs> sex in any way. But, you know, it's 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 out of bounds. It's, it's the power of therapy. I, I want, I'd like to go ahead and make the statement. Uh, Dr. John Fight mm-hmm. was my therapist. And I would recommend him wholeheartedly to anyone who has experienced trauma. He not only 
has the degrees and things like that, but he has a lot of personal experience with with trauma. Right. So he can empathize completely with what you're saying. And without his help, without his work with me over several years, mm-hmm. I would not be sitting here with you. When I met him, I was having panic attacks four or five times a day right. from uh, post-traumatic stress. Same thing uh, soldiers go through. So panic explains you just feel like, like uh, I, I say it's a cross between like a heart attack and an anxiety uh, and a asthma attack. Really? Because I can't breathe. My my blood pressure goes through the roof. My heart rate goes through the roof and I just completely crumple. I just fall to the floor and just start crying. Stop completely. Just stop breathing. You know, if that's what uh, panic attacks have a lot to do with is breathing. Mm-hmm. I have a tendency when I get nervous to hold my breath. Right. And just sit there and hold it. Why and, do you think? Uh, well, actually, if you think about it, like um, in a natural kind of sense, if you were out in the woods and you heard an animal coming yeah. near you and you were scared. Yeah, you just kind of. You might just freeze and hold your breath so you're not making any noise. And so you can hear better what's going on around you. It's like a, a defense mechanism. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Very deep instinctual defense mechanism. So. He uh, helped you out of that. Yeah. I, well, I didn't even know what was happening to me. I didn't know they were panic attacks. He told me. I thought I was crazy. I right. thought I was literally losing my mind because I would be at work and all of a sudden I would be in tears, freaking out. Right. And it was happening repeatedly. And I went to my regular doctor, family doctor, and he's like, ah, this sounds like something a therapist should deal with. So I went to him and he wasn't even sure if he would have time because he has so many patients. He didn't even know if he'd have time to see me. He's like, well, let's get you in here and you can tell me what's going on. Mm-hmm. And from day one, when I sa- said the same thing to you just now, what I said to him, he's like, okay, you're going to, I'm going to put you on the schedule twice a week. We're going to get you in here. We're going to get you. He help. saved you, but you know, he did. I, I, I can't thank him enough and to this day even though i'm not currently his patient we still speak on a a frequent basis via email he's very very open to any questions i might have because continue i mean it's still a work in progress i'm obviously much better than i was 10 years ago Mm -hmm. but um there's still moments where i'm like why do i feel this way why you know i don't understand and he helps me better understand what my what my brain's doing right so I don't feel like I'm good crazy. dude and a man. Yes, he so is a man. He's a, uh, he, he is an excellent person. Um, when we sit down again, we're going to talk uh, all about the, the uh, well, y- your rise from the ashes and also the particulars of what we're trying to put together with yes. Wayne Foundation. And as much as how to work, essentially, we're trying to build a safe house. Yes, essentially. Um, and we're going to get that. We'll tell you all about it. It's a lot more involved than just this is that simple. But of course, this type of thing, uh, it, 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 we need donations first and foremost absolutely Uh, where can they hit us up where can they send us some some loot and again a lot of people like what are we sending loot for we're going to get to it next time but essentially we're trying to build a safe house yes someplace where chicks like jamie who are trapped children children thank you very much like jamie uh can get out and and maybe you know Help them the same way that Jamie have a chance at a normal life, a chance at a regular life. Because honestly, once you enter the sex industry, no matter what age you are, the odds of you leaving are slim to none without Mm -hmm. some kind of outside influence. And so they need help. Yes, they absolutely. We can't even help the world. We're just going to help one little. Yeah, we're going to have maybe a worst case, best case scenario, maybe help like a half a dozen people. Because I'm going to tell you, running a safe house is not cheap no no it's no. like running a house well like i mean the way i mean think about it i mean when you like take in a foster kid or adopt a kid mm-hmm. you're taking in that expense of, a, of an actual child even though it's not your child yeah so think about it 
we're taking in the expense of several children. And this ain't like UNICEF where it's like for pennies a day, you can keep a child prostitute clad. No, because uh, we need to keep them safe and protected um, in case these um, traffickers want them back. Mm -hmm. Because as I pointed out, some of them will kill to get them back. Yeah, nobody wants to let go of a cash cow. Yeah, because, you you know, trafficking trafficking a child or a girl, think about how little investment for it versus the yield that you get back. You can send her out a hundred times a night. Oh God. And what does it cost you other yeah. than her upkeep? Your, Give your, her some your soul, food. your mortal soul. Does that count <laughs> yes. for anything? Yeah. Well, not those people. Their no. souls don't really count for much. Very true. God damn it. You're an amazing uh, person. Very, I mean, uh, heroic. The fact that you've uh, come through what you've come through and can still speak about it logically with, with uh, a magnanimity for, for even the scumbags who, who affected your life. Very generous of spirit. That's why the, the ideal person uh, to run this thing that we're talking about. And, and one of those people like, you know, you go through a course of your life, you meet many people who have things to do with your work, have things to do with your life and things to do with your personal life and rather. But then you're, there's people that you meet and you barely meet. You and I only really met kind of uh, online via yeah, Twitter. Yeah, I think that we we talked for maybe a couple hours total right. uh, before you were like, hey, let's do this. Yeah, because, well, I mean, you were inspiring. I think that's what I'm getting at. You know, it's it's you, you sit down and talk to you for an hour, an hour and a half and – I'm one of those people that believes anything's possible, but you you even make me believe that. You know what I'm saying? Like, is there oh, moments where I'm like, not everything is possible? Because I'm going to tell you, if you had said to me, I was a huge fan of yours prior to this. And if you had said to me two years ago, yeah, you're going to start a business. You're going to start a nonprofit with Kevin Smith. He's going to be your vice president. And you're going to be you're going to be the founder and the head of it. I would have told you that you're off your rocker. Yeah, you've had like, a very adventurous life. Yeah, I would have said. I would have said <laughs> you're like Pippi Longstocking, man. You're yes. all over the joint. Yes, I am. Where so can I've gone they send from one us, end to the other. Where can they send us money? Uh, currently, we're at uh, viewsq.com slash the Wayne Foundation. Mm-hmm. One day we'll be grown up enough for our own website, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but for, you know, Crawling there's not a whole lot run. to put out there right now other than please give us your hard-earned money. Yeah. Please, please, please. Even if it's just a dollar, what you would spend on a cup of coffee, on a candy bar, whatever, every little bit counts because when I say we need a lot of money, I can't just take – even if we bought a house and got all the, the necessary things that we need. Mm-hmm. I can't just take kids in and then a year later be like, oh, well, we ran out of money. So yeah. you're going to have to go now. It'll complete – it will, will undo everything we've done. Right. And it, if anything, we'll leave them in a worse situation because it'll teach them not to trust anyone. This is not something one enters into lightly and it's no, also not it, something that no, we're done. Like no, there's no end to there this is kind no of thing. End, Once it begins, there, it's a perpetual motion machine. There's no – you know, you see these fundraiser things where they've got the top, you know, half a million dollars. There is no maximum goal for this. Right. The, any amount of money that we can raise is great. And when we get a say, when we actually get to the point of the safe house, donations, yes. furniture, yes. clothing, um, uh, anything. Yes, exactly. Anything uh, vehicles, yes. anything, uh, and uh, I will tell you that we are um, registered with the IRS, right. so these donations are completely tax deductible. Right. If, uh, if she hasn't tugged at your fucking heartstrings enough with the horrible story she's told, if you need uh, one more thing to push you over the edge, it's tax deductible. Yes. Uh, <laughs> in this horrible, horrible economy, we all like to have extra write-offs to add in. True. So if you need an a write-off, you can tell. Yes. If you need a write-off and you would like to send your money to a worthwhile cause, please. 
visit uh, viewaskew.com slash the Wayne Foundation. We'll be happy to take your money. And as Kevin said on the website, you too can be a hero. You too can become Batman and help us out. Mm. And even in just a small, a small way, just hitting up PayPal. A little bit. This is your way to be Batman without having to go through that horrible lifelong training, dead parents, uh, yeah, and yeah. fighting psychopaths. A little way. Send a yeah. buck our way. Suddenly, you've been Batman for a few minutes. You've been Batmaned by the Wayne Foundation. Yeah, because we we like we want a whole team of Batmen. Yeah. We want your a league, help. if you will. Yes, we want. It's gonna your take help. a lot because my God, what a deep problem it is. Yeah, because honestly, this is going to have to be a huge team effort from a lot of different angles. So. And it's going to take a long time. You're not going to hear about this about this safe house going up next month. No. You, you know, we, this is going to be a long it's process. It's a long build out. That's why we're kind of starting the conversation now. Yeah. And so, what a conversation it's been, man. Thank you so much. Thank for, you so much for having me. I appreciate it. We'll, you'll be back again. We'll, the next time we sit down, we'll go into the rest of our plans. Our, more specifically, we'll go into what happened to you from that point forward. We're going to chase the man who becomes love of your life and whatnot and how everything does work out in yes. a bedroom for Jamie. Aww. Um, I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Jamie Walton. Thanks for listening. 